Wistful Thinking is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things movie and nostalgia podcasts, check out cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome to Wistful Thinking, the podcast where we revisit pop culture from our youth to see if it's as good all grown up. I'm Jordan Poland clark and with me is my co-host, Kara Gail O'Regan. Hello. And our guest today is one of my oldest friends, Sasha On. Hi, Sasha. Hello. Um, so, Sasha chose The Sound of Music from 1965, the old classic, um, which I had never seen before, but Sasha had obviously seen it. And Kara, you'd seen it before? I had never seen it all the way through. I'd seen bits and pieces here and there. I did a lot of like theater programs that were like compilations of different like Rogers and Hammerstein stuff and like other musical theater stuff. And so I've like been in productions of the songs and I played a few <laughs> of them on the piano, but I never saw the whole movie altogether and I fucking loved it. it was I amazing. also loved it. <laughs> um before I ask Sasha a bunch of questions about it, um, real quick, I'm going to try to do the plot, which of course I did not write down, so stop me if I miss any big details, and of course I can't remember anybody's name. That's fine. Um, I'll help you. Okay, great. <laughs> so we have um, a woman who is studying to become a nun. Her name is Maria. I know her name. Uh, played by Julie Andrews, and she's kind of the oddball out at the nunnery. What do you call it? Where is she? An abbey. An abbey. Thank you. At the abbey. <laughs> they only said it like 800 <laughs> times in the movie. <laughs> um, so she's at the abbey, but they're all like, what's up with this weirdo? Like, is, does she fit in here? What are we going to do with her? Um, and what they do with her is they send her to be the governess for a family that has seven children. Um, and the father is a Navy captain. Yeah. Um, their mother's passed away, so she's sent to the house to take care of them. Uh, when she gets there, she's informed that she's, like, the 10th governess. Um, the children apparently are real nasty. Um, she doesn't really care about that. She quickly bonds with them. Um, the father's super cold to her. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Fun stuff happens. Dramatic stuff happens. Uh, eventually they... <laughs> Eventually they fall in love, she becomes their stepmother, and just when you think the movie might be over, there's a whole World War II plot. <laughs> That's when the Nazis show up. <laughs> um, and, and of course they're the good guys, they escape, they do not join the Nazis, the end. Did I miss any big details? Uh, the song stuff. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that though, we'll get to that. <laughs> I think you intentionally glossed over it. <laughs> right, the song stuff is a big deal. Yes. Um, okay, so Sasha, why did you choose this? Well, let me start by confessing something. I don't think I had ever seen part two until yesterday. <laughs> Stop. A friend of mine had this happen, too, where her parents had, like, taped it off tv and like only taped the first half and then mm -hmm. finally saw it as an adult and was like what is happening i mean like okay so <laughs> well, where does so part one leaves off where does part one leave off it actually ends in a way that it could be the end of the movie mm -hmm. so i never really questioned it so basically they're at that party <laughs> at the von trapp's house 
where they're all like meeting the governess woman and all the kids do the song where they say goodnight and then the whole drama happens between the governess and Maria and Maria decides that she needs to leave because she doesn't want to yeah the baroness sorry she Maria is the governess the baroness is telling Maria that there's something going on between her and the captain and then Maria of course a nice Christian woman feels upset by this and flustered and decides to leave at night before any of the kids wake up. And so then that was the end of the movie for me for many years. And even this is the craziest thing is I recently rewatched the sound of music on a plane, like several, like four or five months ago. And I still didn't watch the second part. And I I don't know why it's like, it never existed to me before. (laughs) Okay, so you actually have kind of an interesting point of view then, because you watched a movie that, like, you didn't even know you were going to watch part of it. Yes, and the thing is, everyone always told me, or whenever I talked about it with people, they would always be like, oh, and then there's the whole Nazi thing. And I would always... (laughs) And I always just thought it meant, like, you know, there are little asides in the movie, because Mm -hmm. this is during World War II, where the Nazis have taken over, Germany's taken over Austria, and, he, and the captain's very strongly on the side of Austria, just saying, you know, we are Austrian. And he always just kind of says that. And then there's an Austrian flag. And I was like, okay, that's the Nazi thing. And I didn't realize there was, like, a whole other thing at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I With mean, actual Nazis. But, like, I knew it, all the songs. I don't know. It was all very confusing. So. <laughs> well, I think most of the songs from the second half of the movie are just, like different arrangements of the songs from the first half of the movie yeah well there's climb every mountain but i think mm, true. i think a lot of them though have just been sung in the mm-hmm. world since the movie so yeah 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 i mean i i never saw this but i knew almost every song yeah so okay that wasn't really an answer to your question it was just a confession i had to make right off the bat <laughs> it was it was a good it was a good it, it painted a picture for us <laughs> Um, why did I pick it? Whenever I think of my childhood and movies that I liked at the time, that's always the first one that comes to mind. I always had, and I actually, I remember having a VHS of it and it had two tapes in it because it's so long. Mm -hmm. And I always knew that it was like a three and a half, four hour long movie. But I would always think to myself, like, oh, it never felt that long to me because it's so great. (laughs) But I... (laughs) I actually didn't watch the whole thing. So I guess I just chose it because it always stood out to me. I loved the songs. I loved the infectious joy of Maria and the kids. And I loved that drape clothing that they all oh wore. Oh, my God. I, I wanted it so badly. Yes. <laughs> I was really I, coveting Liesl's dress. So, yeah. That I, is your style. If I were to describe your style, that is it. The drape dresses? Yes. Yeah, Totally. So, and then, of course, I Am 16 Going on 17, that whole song was really memorable. So, it just, it always stood out to me as something I really liked. How old were you when you first saw it? It must have been, like, six. Oh, pretty small. Yeah, six or seven. But I watched it, at least the first half, a few times. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, what, had you seen it? You you said well, I don't think we were recording yet when you said that you watched no yeah we were when you said you watched this on an airplane yes I watched it on an airplane pretty recently 
but only... So you had seen it recently. I had, but then I decided I needed to watch it again yesterday, which turned out to be a really important and good choice. <laughs> Glad you did. I would be dying laughing so hard right now if, like, because we might not have discovered yet that you didn't see the end part. <laughs> and then you guys would start talking about it, and I'd be like, wait, what? <laughs> I mean that would also be really hilarious. Yeah. So um so when you when you think back on this like what was the part that you're like, "Oh yeah, that." The I, like what I just mentioned, the 16 going on 17 song was always very charming to me and that's another scene where I really liked Liesel's dress. So, <laughs> you know, as a small girl, these are the things Was you it remember. as good as you remembered it? Yes, even better. And that's a great scene. Yeah, it's great when they're like dancing around and she's jumping across each platform to the next Mm -hmm. one. It's so, it's Mm -hmm. so great. And then also what I love because it's an older movie is every time there's a close up of a woman's face, it's like glowing, Mm -hmm. you know, it has that perfect kind of old movie style, like kind of fuzzy out of focus, but like really beautiful. Yeah, like very soft. Very soft. Yeah, and then the way that the women talk, too, is very specific. It it has a very nice vibe. Well, it's very theater. Like, it's very musical theater, which is, like, I was thinking about it a lot because I love this movie. Mm -hmm. Like, I couldn't tell you another three-hour musical that I would be like, yes, I would like to watch this. Please, I love it. (laughs) Um, And... I just watched The Greatest Showman for uh, Zack Attack, and <laughs> that's also what that's, also that's what it's called. Also <laughs> on the Cage Club Network with uh, Joey and Joe too. Um, I don't think that episode's out yet. I think it comes out in a couple days from this from the this release date. Um, but like, so that's also a musical, and I didn't love that movie for a lot of reasons. Um, but, like, as a musical, like, it was okay. It was kind of fun. Like, the dancing was okay. But then you put that next to something like this, and it doesn't even compare. It's not even close. Um, and, like, par- I feel like part of that was, like, this is not trying to be a movie. Like, this is a Broadway musical that someone just filmed and made slightly different so that it could fit this format. But, like, and I've never seen it. I've never seen it on stage. But I would assume that almost nothing is different. Um, Somebody tell me if I'm wrong. (laughs) Well, I know Um, at least um, the Mother Nun's performance of Climb Every Mountain, uh, mm -hmm. the arrangement for that and the presentation of it, the way that she sings it, is very different in the Broadway show, Mm -hmm. apparently. She, like, comes, like totally downstage center stage and is standing there like belting it out um and i guess the director wanted it to be like softer and i don't know but i think very like in the background in this yeah and i also think i i didn't read i read that i didn't read this but like based on my experience performing how do you solve a problem like maria like that was a lot more boisterous too Mm-hmm. Um, there were a lot of box steps and stuff. Uh, so I think that might have so been So it was toned also. down a little bit then. Yeah. Which it would have to be to, like, work as a film. Right. But, like, like watching this to me, like, 
I don't know, it it felt very much like it could translate, where, like, mm-hmm. if you were, like, if you told me that the greatest showman would be on stage, I would be like, oh, yeah, they're going to have to make a bunch of changes. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, like, one very much felt like a movie, and one very much felt like a musical. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. And there's something Just... about The Sound of Music, and I, I have trouble articulating what it is, but it's I don't normally like musicals, and I don't love musical movies especially, but I think probably what you're saying, Jordan, is the reason that I love this is because it's more like a play and less like a musical movie. It just yeah. feels a lot more natural than like... It, yeah. yeah, I mean, and it's I, it's legitimately like good, like the mm-hmm. songs, like because I also don't like musicals generally. Because I can't stand that they're singing things that they could just be saying in one sentence and then they sing about it for, like, five minutes. And I'm like, why are you doing that? <laughs> and, like, this song isn't even good. But, like, every song in this is good. So good. Like, which, like, is, like, I think, like, the whole world can agree on that because, like, they're all songs that everybody knows. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, it's it's legitimately well well written like I laughed out loud a bunch of times yeah, which is really like funny. a big deal for me mm-hmm. um and I felt like genuinely invested in the characters and I think that was mostly because of the actors mm-hmm. like Julie Andrews is a treasure oh, she really is she's a treasure and what a, what a um, remarkable physical comedian and like has like a four octave range in her singing voice like mm-hmm. triple threat quadruple Truly threat. nothing she can there's she can't be stopped that one so true no <laughs> and like and i i don't know if this is because of mary poppins or not mm-hmm. but like there's just like this warmth to her like you know i grew up watching mary poppins so mm-hmm. but there's just like this warmth where i'm like oh can you also come take care of me please mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yes. she just seems so genuinely happy all the time yeah, yeah. like i feel like if you met her in person she would also be glowing mm-hmm. in real life yeah. yeah, she seems like a real gem. And what a special character, too, Maria. Like, she... I kept expecting her to, like, question herself. Mm-hmm. And she never really did. Except for when she ran away. And that was just that mean Baroness. She was just trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Like, like she stood up to everybody who basically kept telling her that she didn't fit in, that she shouldn't be doing what she's doing, and she was just like, no, I think you're wrong, I'm going to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And, like, nobody could argue with her. Like, I don't know, that's so cool. The first scene where she comes in and meets all of the kids and the captain, and he's showing her all of their whistle signals, and yes. she's just like, absolutely not, that's ridiculous, and then she whistles <laughs> at him as he's walking away. It's just, yeah. <laughs> it's the greatest thing. And the way, and I love Christopher Plummer, right? That's the guy who plays yeah. the captain. Yeah. I love his facial expressions and reaction to her, because you can tell he's angry with, like, a hint of, happiness like a hint of (laughs) oh shit like you actually are kind of funny but he doesn't want to show it and he just really expressed that very well I feel like yeah and I I really appreciated like how I didn't really know anything about this story before I saw it and I appreciated how quickly there were like many layers to him Mm -hmm. because like pretty quickly into the movie like yeah we meet him and he's this like really strict captain um and pretty quickly we see him outside of that lens because he's with the baroness who he almost gets married to and he's being like really sweet and like 
really warm, and you're like, oh, he's not an asshole at all. Yeah, like he's in, he's like in mourning. He's grieving. Yeah. yeah. Do they ever say how the mom died? Scarlet fever? Question mark. I could be making that up. Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> so this is actually based on a true story, which is wild. Yes. I just realized that also yesterday, and <laughs> I learned a lot about this movie yesterday in preparation for this, and I had no idea. It's so real. Like, they really didn't change a whole lot about this story. Well, apparently Except... the dad is, like, a real uh, dud in real life. Oh, truly? Okay. Well, because yeah. she said, the thing that I, I didn't read very much, but the thing that I read said that Maria was basically like, well, I wasn't in love with him, but I was in love with the children, so we went and got married. I, you know, I read that too, but then there was another, I think it was like on the Wikipedia page, but then in like a couple more sentences, she was like, actually, I grew to love him more than I've ever loved or something. So that wasn't always the case, I don't think. That's good. Yeah. It is a nice story. Did you know that there's actually a Trap Family Lodge in Stowe, Vermont? Really? I did know that. Yeah, yes. I don't know why I know that, but I did. That's like pretty close to me. Yeah, you should go. I'm planning a trip there this summer. Oh my god, field we should trip. all go. <laughs> Whistle, field trip. We should do like a, a recap or like a reunion. We could see this movie just made me want to stand on top of a grassy mountaintop oh and god. twirl around. That opening something. scene is so unbelievable. I mean. At first, I was like, ugh, no wonder this movie's so long. Like, these credits are a million years long. Um, and then, the, and, and it's just this, you know, sweeping wide shot that they shot from a helicopter uh, before the time of Steadicam, clearly. Yeah. And um, just, like, going through the Alps and you just see this, like, gorgeous gorgeous landscape and then it like comes up on her and she's just fucking running and frolicking and spinning and singing and uh jordan and i talked about this yesterday that both of us like the second she started singing we were already crying (laughs) i cried for almost every song yeah me too i'm so glad that you liked it i can't believe you hadn't seen it jordan I, I told my mom yesterday that I was like, I just watched The Sound of Music for the first time. And, like, I was with my aunt and my sister, and they were like, oh, you never saw it before? And my mom was like, well, it's not one of my favorites. Because it's like that no. thing when you're a kid, like, you like you watch what your parents watch. So if mm-hmm. my mom didn't like something or my dad didn't like it, I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. I think. I don't know. There And then there's, like, those things that you're like how did I watch that? Like, definitely I didn't watch it with my parents. I feel like there's those weird things every once in a while. I think yeah. there were a lot of things that we watched at Julia's house. <laughs> but that, that was when we were older, though. <laughs> that would have been when we were, like, teenagers. Yeah. Kara, for some background, this is our friend whose mom would just let us do whatever we wanted. You know how you always have that friend when you're growing up? Mm-hmm. Yep. So we would just go there to watch all the bad movies. Cool. <laughs> I want to say some of my favorite quotes because I wrote down a lot of stuff mm-hmm. through tears. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was just like, that's the best. It's so real. It's going to all sound really stupid now. But for some reason, I can't even remember the context of half of these. You guys might have to help me. Okay. But 
They said the wool of a black sheep is still just as warm. Oh, that was good. That was at the beginning in the um, when they were saying, like, what's the song about Maria and the Abbey? Like, how do you solve a problem like, like Maria? Maria? Yeah. Or was there one after that? No, it, I think it was that one where they were talking about all of the paradoxes of Maria, and she's so lovable, love, but so flighty. Yeah. yeah. I love the lyrics of that song where they're like, how it's do you so take a good. cloud and pin it down? And how do you, like, keep a wave on the sand? Yeah. Oh, how do you so hold great. a moonbeam in your hand? How do you? <laughs> I don't know. I love it. I love, I love it, it, too. And I love another thing. Sorry to just run with this one for a second. No, do. I love how throughout the movie they kind of replay all of the different songs in different mm-hmm. scenarios. Mm-hmm. And the time that they replay that song is when she's walking down the aisle at her wedding. Yeah, I didn't I love that. I loved that. No. <laughs> Well, because I just felt like the um, the wedding happened, re- like, it just escalated really quickly from them being like, maybe we love each other, to, like, getting married. Um, mm-hmm. That, like, freaked me out. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like, that, this that movie was... took an hour and a half to, to get to the point where they're like, maybe we love each other. And then all of a sudden... Yeah, married. I mean, for a three-hour movie, they, it's true, they really didn't spend almost any time on that part. But also, Which is great. I like that. I like I it, too. I enjoy that part. And also, I feel like in that day and age, there isn't much that happens between meeting someone mm. and going true. on, like, a date with them and then getting married. I think that yeah. might be yeah. kind of true. I guess they've form. already been living with each other. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so what were some other uh, quotes? Okay, so the next one, I'm sure one of the nuns said this. It's very easy to like Maria, except when it's difficult. Uh huh. Yeah, that's another one from that song, which is just the very best. accurate. Mm-hmm. Very accurate for many people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, and I really liked. So when they send her to um to the house, she's like. First, she sings this great song about how nervous she is, which is mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she gets there, and they open the door. The butler opens the door. And she says, hello, here I am. Yeah. Yeah. Which was so cute. <laughs> I love it. She's, like, got her guitar and that yeah. weird leather hat. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I, her outfits in this movie are so good. <laughs> They're so good. And I love all well, that's. I love when she's getting the new fabric to make all of her new mm-hmm. dresses from the housekeeper, mm-hmm. and you see this weird, like, um, stripey one, and then she's wearing it when they're doing the do, me, 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 so, so song, and it's, yeah. like, the most beautiful dress. Yeah, Aren't they? A picture. The best clothes. <laughs> the best. I would That's when all. they're all outside in their play clothes, and she's teaching them to sing? No, it's, well, it's, it's part of that whole montage of when she's teaching them to sing, and they're in the town, yeah. and they're on, like... It looked like they're in, like, a horse and carriage type of Mm -hmm. deal. And she's sitting, looking at them all, and, like, pointing at them with, like, the little horse stick. I don't know what they call it. A riding crop? (laughs) The horse stick? The horse stick. (laughs) The riding crop. She's, like, pointing at each of them to sing. And she's wearing the most amazing dress in that scene. The, um, the colors in this movie are really amazing. And, like, obviously it's been remastered, but just, like, the original um, production design, they use, like, almost like they took, like, a little eyedropper tool and, like, sampled her hair and her eye color <laughs> and just, yeah. like, developed a color story off of that because there's <laughs> all of these, like, 
beautiful, rich, like warm yellows and like robin's egg blues throughout the movie that are just like so beautiful. That was such mm-hmm. a beautiful way to describe that. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm feeling inspired. <laughs> Good. The Good. um the other quote that I wrote down from that part was um when she r- arrives at the house, they all tell her her dress is really ugly mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. they're like, "Oh, you're not dressed appropriately to be a governess we must get you some new clothes and she's like oh my gosh i'm so sorry like when i became a nun they made me donate all my clothes and they were like well what about that one that you're wearing and she said the poor didn't want this one yes (laughs) (laughs) i liked when she was she was trying to she had just met them and she was praying at night before she went to bed and she uh Mm. was And she was trying to say, God bless all the children. And one of them, she couldn't remember his name. And she was so cute. She said, and God bless what's his name. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It just like, I feel like even just like that line is such a good illustration of who she is Mm -hmm. as a character. Well, one, uh, um, at some point, I guess before, or like when she goes back to the Abbey, you see another like version of her basically another woman like her who's like checking into the abbey and she's wearing this beautiful blue dress and then when maria comes back to the von trapp house she's actually wearing that dress i didn't oh i didn't i I didn't pick up on it but i did watch a documentary about the movie after i watched the movie (laughs) Karen and I both watch this on Amazon and like I and when you buy it on Amazon or you rent it um it shows up as being like three hours and 45 minutes long and I like Mm -hmm. message Kara immediately and I was like um I thought this was three hours why is it four hours long and she's like don't worry it's a documentary at the end oh really yeah Yeah, it's a really nice documentary I guess that they made for the 50th anniversary of the movie and Julie Andrews goes back back to Salzburg and like talks to um people and like visits places it's really quite lovely I so wish I watched that I think I still have the rental though I'll go back okay yeah uh she wears a really beautiful blazer in it highly recommend (laughs) (laughs) of course she does (sighs) and they talk about like because like you were talking about before them how like they transposed this stage play into a film um, and it still reads very much like a stage play but they used a lot of like what makes movies so magical to like kind of take it to the next level and so they talk a lot in the documentary about um, like shooting in different locations and making it all look cohesive and uh, Mm. you get like a nice kind of uh, you also learn a lot more about the actual Maria Von Trapp as well. This, um, I really like, like, I feel like a lot of times when I go back and watch something that's a lot older, because the pacing is so different than, like, modern things, mm-hmm. I really, really struggle. But I didn't struggle with this at all. Like, the pacing was re- was pretty slow, but, like, I feel like pretty quickly... I learned that it paid off. Mm-hmm. Like, a scene would be really long, but then I would still laugh at the end. Or, like, the dance number would start, and I'd be like, oh, they're going to dance. And then I would instead be like, they're dancing! Yes! <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, like you said earlier, all the songs are so good that they kind of just bring you in. And it makes the the whole movie, I feel like, even having seen now the whole thing, doesn't feel that long to me even still. Yeah. And I, like, generally have no patience for movies. Yeah. Oh, I have, no. like, a pretty strict rule about not watching movies that's, that are longer than two hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, if you can't tell your story in two hours, I don't have time for it. Um, and so not only did I, like, because I, I was really, like, mad that we had to watch a three-hour movie. And then was like, I am loving, like, every second of this. And so I not only sat through the full three-hour movie, but immediately following watched (laughs) the extra hour documentary that's, like, tacked (laughs) on to the end. That is great to hear. I'm glad. Because I realized that when I, like, went to rent it. And I I always knew that it was long. But I was just like, wow, this is really quite a... um, an endeavor for everyone here and quite a commitment. And I'm glad that you guys came along for the ride and that you enjoyed it. Um, Sasha, what did you think of the second part? Well, it made a lot of sense to me, having spoken to people about the movie for for many years (laughs) about the Nazis and not realizing how deeply they don't go into it too deeply, but deep enough that it's a large part of the story. Um, and that's another thing that's fascinating to me is how that's all, like, re- I don't think the chronology of it is correct necessarily, but it's real in that they actually um, drafted him onto the na- into the Navy for the Nazis, <laughs> and he was very, like, firmly on the other side, and they tried to escape, and I think they did escape at one point, and I actually think they came to the U.S. at one point, mm-hmm. um, which is why they yeah, have they, the, um, the Trap Family Lodge. Um but I, yeah, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was sad how um, her, what's his name? The guy who the who Liesl loves. Oh, yeah. Rolf. Rolf. Never the guy named Rolf. Freaking Rolf. He really, he was so, it was so sad at the end, that whole um, exchange between him and Mr. Von Trapp. Yeah. Um, and I liked that. I liked the drama of that scene. I thought it was really well done. I really didn't know what was going to happen because I hadn't seen it. And um, and it was scary with, like, the lights shining and the family yeah. hiding. And, and there was a lot of suspense, and I think it was really good. Yeah. And I liked yeah. that they actually performed in that festival that, um, what's his yeah. name, Max? Was it Max? Uh-huh. I Max. had a hard time with Max. I know. He was the worst. Um, but he was the he wanted them to perform in this festival and I'm glad they actually showed them doing that so all of that was was enjoyable yeah I think they actually set up the Nazi thing well like they foreshadow it like Mm -hmm. in the first half of the movie like because they make some references to it like you said and so it's it's not like it I don't know it didn't come out of nowhere for me, I guess, because I knew that Nazis were going to show up eventually. But, like, watching it this time and, like, knowing that they were going to show up eventually and then picking up on those. Like, because I think if you don't know that that's going to happen, you might not pick up on the foreshadowing in the first half. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually really like that the second half goes where it does with the whole Nazi plot line because I think if the movie really was just that first half which it totally could have been it would have been too schmaltzy and like just too yeah um sweet but mm-hmm. you know 
throw in a few Nazis and it kind of balances <laughs> it out. And I do, I did always think, not having seen the ending, that it was a little bit strange that they kind of glossed over it. Mm-hmm. If you don't see the second part, it kind of feels like, you know, you know that this is the time of the Nazis and that they've occupied Austria and or annexed Austria and it's just, you know, there are asides where the captain is telling the Nazi soldier that is at his party, you know, I am Austrian, but then they don't really go into it further in that part and I was I always was a little bit confused about that whole thing, but it makes more sense now. Yeah. <laughs> Interestingly, um, when they were shooting it, some people in uh, Salzburg were concerned about hanging up, you know, Nazi flags and stuff, because mm-hmm. this had all happened only 25 years prior to when they shot the film. So it was still, like, pretty, you know, recent um, in people's minds. Um, and so then they, the filmmakers agreed to just use newsreel footage and then they realized like oh we can't do that because it turns out that the austrians welcomed the nazis with open arms and like all of the newsreel footage is of them like cheering them on and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so they wound up having to shoot um those original scenes instead yeah that was actually something that i thought about how it must feel as an actor especially one so close um, in time to the actual events occurring to actually have to walk around and say, Heil Hitler. Yeah. Yeah. Even now to like see somebody do that in a movie, it hurts. I would say especially now. (laughs) I mean, it's always been, you know, (laughs) disturbing, but I think, you know, especially with the events that have transpired in the past year or two uh, and the direction this country seems to be going in. It's like, to me, it felt like especially chilling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One yeah. thing to uh, to lighten it up for a second um, <laughs> that I enjoyed a lot and thought was very sweet was um, when they were at the festival. The young, or they were they were rehearsing for the festival. The youngest daughter um, described. I loved her. She described she the the Nazi um, the swastika as a spider. Yeah. Do you remember that? that? No. She was saying something about, she was like, why are they scared? Because they have spiders on their arms, something like that. Oh. It was really sweet. Yeah, she was my favorite of the children. Mm Mm-hmm. I've just been scrolling through photos of the movie now. (laughs) I'm just reading Wikipedias of all the actors. (laughs) (laughs) Where are they all now? Where are all the kids? Um, well, Uh, let's see. The girl who um, played the eldest daughter, what was her name? Liesel. Liesel. Mm-hmm. She became an interior designer. Wow. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Apparently, she furnished a uh, make-believe candy store for Michael Jackson. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. She died a couple years ago. Oh. Oh, cat. Don't do that. Let's see. Okay, so that's Liesel. Um, I had a I had a hard time keeping track of the boys. They didn't have as strong personalities as the girl kids did. Yeah. No, I mean there were only two of them. They were outnumbered. I feel like they tried to frame one of them as like a flirt, but he was like eight. <laughs> one of them, I was very like the younger one. I think was kind of a ham. 
Remember, and when they were all doing the goodbye song, yeah, and he like um, he like sang with a really operatic, high pitch <laughs> thing, and I I thought that was funny because I thought you know like maybe he's gonna like grow up to be like a like a a Broadway singer. And he was like a little flamboyant. It was kind of funny. <laughs> Let's see, Friedrich, who's the older boy, was in Lord of the Flies when he was a kid. And then he played Spider-Man. And I think that was kind of his thing. <laughs> really? Maybe all de- maybe a little bit downhill from there. <laughs> um, let's see who else. Then Louisa I think they're. I think I'm looking at them in order. I don't promise, though. Um, the Wikipedia page is a little bit confusing. It kind of just like does it list them all in order? Uh, one of them makes computer software now. <laughs> <laughs> And imagine how great that must be to just kind of casually in a conversation be like, oh, yeah, I was a Van Trapp child. Oh, my gosh. Van Trapp yeah. child. <clears throat> and Sound of Music. And it's so funny because then I bet people ask so many questions, but, like, do you could, could you answer a lot of questions about something that you did when you were, like, 10? Nope. <laughs> nope. Yeah. One of them died quite young. Heather Menzies. Which one was she? She was Louisa. I think that, like, when I do life now, I'm just going to be like, well, what would Maria do? Yeah, I think that is a great way to live. (laughs) She was just, like, so good at, like, doing the whole, like, kill people with kindness thing. Mm -hmm. Like, the moment someone was nasty to her, she just, like, tried to love them harder. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, be so so good at them. You know? Like, it's... That's a very specific skill. But in addition yeah, like, to that just, like, genuine joy that she <clears throat> expressed all the time, she yeah. also was very strong-willed and stood up for her beliefs um, at every turn, which was really admirable at a time when, you know, she was a nun, and she was also, a like, a young nun, kind of looked down upon, obviously, by some of the other sisters, mm-hmm. and just a woman in the 30s. And for her to just right. stand up to a naval captain the way that she did and just really say it how it was is is kind of amazing. He said, this is another quote I wrote down. He said, were you this much trouble at the Abbey? And she said, oh, much more, sir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently the real Maria von Trapp was asked if she was that bad um, in real life. And she said, oh, I was much worse. <laughs> oh. <laughs> How, like, what a badass. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to also be so positive in a, a time of such turmoil. Mm. Um, so some other people were considered for roles that didn't wind up getting cast. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for instance, for Liesel, Liza Minnelli, Patty Duke, <laughs> oh. Mia Farrow, Kim Darby don't know who that is. Leslie Ann Warren, don't know who that is. 
Tisha Sterling, also not sure, and uh, Sharon Tate all either auditioned or tested for the role. Um, Among kids who auditioned to play one of the other Von Trapp children were Kurt Russell, uh, Richard (laughs) Dreyfuss, Veronica Cartwright, and the four eldest Osmond brothers. Um, And this... uh, particular bit of trivia on imdb seems particularly pointed because the only other thing that it says in this blurb is dreyfus couldn't dance (laughs) (laughs) and then uh for captain von trapp richard burton sean connery bing crosby and maximilian shell sean connery could you imagine oh my goodness i think he would have been i think he would have done a good job yeah well apparently um what was his name who actually did it Christopher Plummer. He hated being there. He did? Yeah. He actually, uh. like, gained a ton of weight because he was just drinking and eating his feelings the whole time. Aww. And also uh, I'm reading here on the Wikipedia page that he was one of those um, actors in a musical who doesn't actually do his singing voice. Yeah. Well, so he did, and then they him. wound up dubbing it. Yeah. I wish they did that to... Um, what was it in Les Mis, the one who was so bad, Russell Crowe? Oh. <laughs> I wish they found someone to do that for Russell. Yeah. They should do that every time they ask a regular actor to sing. They ruin so many musicals by turning them into the movies and then letting the actors sing. Mm-hmm. It made me, like, like, Sweeney Todd. Like, I love Sweeney Todd, but, like, Johnny Depp and Helena Bonham Carter aren't that good singers. Like, let someone for real sing it. That always bothers me. Yeah, I'm really excited to not talk about... Well, that wasn't what I was going to say. That came out wrong. I'm really excited because in The um, the Crown, do you guys watch it? Yeah. No. Oh, it's so good. You do. So, um, what is her sister's name? Is it Margaret? Yeah, I think so. I think she's going to be played by Helena Bonham Carter in the next season. Interesting. Yeah, because they're doing like a time jump and they're recasting everyone. Mm-hmm. And Which it's makes gonna... me a little bit sad. Yeah, I love Claire Foy. She is I do so too. so incredible in that role. Mm-hmm. And um, the guy whose name I don't know who plays um, Prince Philip is also mm-hmm. wonderfully terrible. Yeah. I don't know. He actually played. Uh, are you familiar with Doctor Who at all? Not so much. So it's a it's a British sci-fi television show that has um, it was it started actually in like the sixties or seventies and was on for a few decades and then it ended and then they rebooted it and in like two thousand five I think and the way that they've managed to do this is that the main character the Doctor uh, regenerates he's actually he's an alien called the Time Lord so he's able to do this and so they're oh. able to just like recast the doctor and each incarnation of the doctor kind of has his own set of weird quirks and personality traits. Um, and he was the second to last doctor, I think. So mm-hmm. I had known him from that. Um, and I don't know. I, it's an, it, it's interesting to see him just do anything else, but yeah. I don't, he's a, his, unfortunately his character in the crown is, um, an asshole, so pretty just, despicable. I don't really like him. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I didn't know that about Doctor Who. I knew that there were different Doctor Whos, and I just thought that was 
it like it was a series and that's just how they did it. I didn't realize that there was a story plot point about yeah. him regenerating. That's really crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. Um the older stuff is less good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um it's it's fun for like nostalgia's sake, but um the more recent seasons are quite good. Um, you know what I think it's time for? What? what? The eyebrow report. Okay. Before we get to that, though, how about that puppet show that they put on? Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Yeah. I love it. Unbelievable. And I think, the, I think the real puppeteers who did that were a married couple. Yeah. Which is really cute. Well, apparently there's this, like, historic, um, like, legendary puppet theater in Salzburg, which was where they got the puppets and the people to like actually um make them move Mm -hmm. i mean the puppets were amazing and like that could have been its own movie in and of itself (laughs) with their their little eyes yeah and the way they wrote down in all caps holy shit these puppets (laughs) (laughs) no i completely agree with you and then also that song is just like one of the greatest because all of a sudden they're all yodeling (laughs) so good so, Jordan, I actually didn't really uh, pay attention to any eyebrows on this, so... Okay, so What is right the eyebrow now, report? Right now, I'll tell you after I explain to you what you're going to do right now. Mm-hmm. You're going to Google image search Julie Andrews' Sound of Music. Okay. So you have pictures of her. And then mm-hmm. do the same so that you have pictures of Elsa and so that you have pictures of Liesl. Okay. I'm People listening it. at home, I recommend you do the same. Okay. So, Elsa, Sound of Music. I'm just supposed to do that? Just Google image yep. search them? Okay. Not, okay. One more. The last one was Liesl? Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it. So, we have a history on this podcast of talking for way too long about eyebrows. Um... Because but, p- women's eyebrows change over time, and there yeah. are trends in eyebrows, and it's just, it's emerged as a recurring theme. Right. Okay. To the point where we've actually taught Joey Lewandowski, co-founder of Kate's Club Network, um, to notice eyebrows, which he does now <laughs> when he watches things. <laughs> I mean, eyebrows are a subject very near and dear to me as, a, yep. as someone who's struggled with my eyebrows for many years. So, I always in what way? Well, okay. I have very bushy eyebrows, and when I was growing up, I had a unibrow, and my mother wouldn't let me get them waxed as early as I wanted to. She let me get them waxed just in the center for the unibrow, but like Uh the bushiness, she wouldn't let me deal with, and it was they were like a real problem for me personally. And and I don't even think anybody else cared, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where you just see it yourself and it drives you crazy, but no one ever said anything about it. And uh, so then one day, I think I was around 13, I just, like, went crazy with scissors oh, no. and a tweezer. And I just did the worst thing possible to my face, and I just lost them completely. And then they were, like, <laughs> these little tiny... Do you remember this, Jordan? I remember exactly the day like we weren't even really friends at that time was this during the great eyebrow scare of the early 2000s no it was before that because it was in like middle was it in middle school yeah yeah Yeah, it was before that 
we weren't really like friends in middle school and we didn't have like classes together mm-hmm. then did we I like, don't think so. I just I I don't think so either. I just remember seeing you in the hallway, just like walking past you and being like, "Wow, Sasha looks really different now." Was it good different or bad different? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> I I honestly don't remember having an opinion either way. Like oh, I think funny. maybe I think maybe if anything I was just like oh, cool, like, she changed her eyebrows. Because that's, like, such a grown-up thing to do. Mm-hmm. Like, and, like, I I always thought that only, like, like, because, you know, we went to school with all these, like, kind of wealthy Jewish girls who, like, they did stuff like that. You know, they, like, mm-hmm. got their hair straightened and, like, their eyebrows done and their clothes were, like, always perfect. So, like, I always thought of it as, like, a thing that, like, that kind of girl did. Mm-hmm. That's what I remember. Yeah, no, it was it was more um, it was more of a cry for help, <laughs> <laughs> and, and actually, what were you? What? What? Uh, no, you go. I was gonna say, and actually, I have unfortunately a photo of myself from the yearbook of eighth grade because I believe that's when this happened. Oh my god! I wish I was home. I would look at it. I have it. I'll take a picture of it because I'm at my parents' house right now, and I think I have it. And. It is the most hideous. Like, it's so embarrassing that it ever <laughs> happened. Um, so, I, after many years, I've reshaped my eyebrows in a way that I feel is okay now. And yeah, your I've, eyebrows are good now. Thank you. It's taken a lot of work. I often say in the morning when I'm tweezing them, because I still tweeze them daily, which is ridiculous, but it's an obsession. I say, I wish nobody had eyebrows, because then it wouldn't be weird if nobody had eyebrows. (laughs) Then I wouldn't have to fucking deal with it. But anyway, that's my long story about eyebrows. So, what are we going to look at the eyebrows of all of these women? Okay, yeah, good. You'll be into this. Okay, yeah. They're pretty unremarkable, though. No, no, that is not true. Yeah, I agree with Jordan. So, (laughs) Julie Andrews and Liesl have great eyebrows. They're kind of thin. You but think? they're really good. They're all... Th- um, Here's what bothers me. Actually, Liesl's are good, but they're very thin, and you can tell that she had, like, painted them on. No, but not, like... So we're about to get to Elsa, who, like, legit has drawn-on eyebrows. Oh, yeah, those are the worst. But my my <laughs> my main critique was that, at least for Elsa and for um, Julie Andrews or Maria, is their eyebrows are really far apart. Oh, yeah, Um, her, or Maria's are in particular. It's too much. They are really far apart. They're really short. Yeah. And they're very thin. I think that Liesl's are the best by far. Um, I like Maria's the best. I like, I like, I like both of them. I think they both fit their faces well. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah. I I just think Liesl is like the most beautiful human being. She is very she, pretty. Like, her eyes are so piercing in that movie. It's ridiculous. Every time I there see was her. A, I feel like there is a lot of piercing blue eyes in this movie. Just hers in particular yeah. really got me. Um, <laughs> let's look at Elsa's eyebrows. Oh, God. They're really because bad. Because I actually wrote down... I, I, like, wrote down, oh, my gosh, her eyebrows. Like, in, especially, it didn't bother me. I didn't even notice it until the scene 
the party scene. They were, like, extra bad in the party scene. Yeah, definitely. That's the first picture that I pulled up. So they look like they're the kind of eyebrows that, like, she has no eyebrows, Mm -hmm. and then somebody drew them back on. But I feel like that was very in style at the time for the sort of, like, wealthier class, Mm -hmm. the kind of cosmopolitan people like her. Yeah. But that dress she has on in that scene is pretty amazing. It's like... She had excellent clothes. golden... Yeah, oh, her clothes really were amazing. There was also that, like, satin shirt, pants, dress suit thing with the big bow on it. Yes, the re- I'm looking at that one right now. The red, like, blazer and skirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was amazing. She's very fashionable. Well, she fancy. She was fancy. Too fancy. So apparently, in, this, in the play version... Um, they, the captain and the baroness don't actually break up because he realizes that he's in love with Maria. They break up due to ideological differences because the baroness refused to stand up against the Nazis and the captain refused to compromise. Oh. And do we know, I mean, was there really a baroness in real life? Um, yeah, she was based off of some princess lady. I forget who, though. And were they really supposed to get married? Yep. And she was she was really going to send the kids to boarding school. What Aww. a jerk. That made me so mad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she was clear. I loved the scene, by the way, of her trying to play with the kids with the, like, basketball. <laughs> it was just, like, the worst thing. <laughs> she was trying, though. I mean, they all looked so sad. And- yeah, well, that's how I am with children. I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing. Here. Children <laughs> like ch- balls, right? Here's the, a, children, here's a ball. the children were so disappointed by the whole situation. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, I'm tired. <laughs> and then didn't they, like, immediately following that moment, run to the Abbey to find Maria? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so sweet. So why yeah. did the eyebrow thing come up the, the first time around? Why did it come up the first time? Oh, it all started uh, when Jordan actually wasn't even on the episode because her computer oh, had died. Oh, yeah. And we were watching, and Joey was on as a uh, uh, guest host. Uh, we watched The Cutting Edge from 1995. What 19, is that? 94. It is only the greatest movie about figure skating that's <gasps> ever been made. What am I doing um, with my life? I don't even know oh, about it. Oh, you would like this movie. Seriously. Um, basically, there's this woman, and she is a Paris skater, but she is very tempestuous. There are some taming of the shrew overtones that I don't love about this movie, but um, if you ignore that part, it's great. Um, and so she's had a really hard time finding a partner to skate with because... Uh, she demands excellence, and she's kind of a pain in the ass. Um, and so she's alienated every potential partner, and her dad, who I guess is also her coach, I'm not sure, um, but he scouts this former hockey player who can't play hockey anymore because he's, like, partially blind in one eye because he got hit in the head. So he's going to um, figure skate? Yeah. So he ta- <laughs> like he starts to learn how to figure skate, and then they become uh, skating partners, and then they fall in love, and it's so good. And uh, Moira Kelly is in it, and she, her eyebrows 
are pretty bushy in that. And I was like, you know, it's so refreshing to see a woman on screen with natural eyebrows Mm -hmm. because having come of age during the great eyebrow scare of the early 2000s, (laughs) uh, Joey was like, whoa, 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 what are you talking about? And so I had to explain that in the early 2000s, women were just tweezing their eyebrows within just to tiny wisps of a line or getting rid of them entirely and just drawing on very thin lines and how what an oppressive time that was for people with fuller well in the 90s wasn't brooke shields a thing and she's like the the pioneer of the bushy eyebrow yeah i feel like that was maybe the late 80s was it Maybe. It was a little bit I feel like, though, there there were always those women with those eyebrows. Mm-hmm. But, like, you have to have those kind of naturally, though. Yeah. Like, um, like the woman who plays Shelly on Twin Peaks has those eyebrows, too. And they're just, like, the most perfect thing you've ever seen. But, like, mm-hmm. they just don't exist in the wild for the most part. So I feel like everyone else it was just, like, trying their own thing and there was all these other trends. But, like, I feel like Brooke Shields' eyebrows, things like that, like... Those those were always in, but they're rare. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Or like Amanda Peet is another example of someone with an excellent eyebrow. Do you know what I'm talking about? Just do an eyebrow podcast. Let's just talk about eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to change the subject back to eyebrows. Now I'm just Googling people. That's how this podcast usually ends. It's like, we'll sit here things. and be like, oh, we've just been Googling things for the last 20 minutes. I think this is over. <laughs> so you guys cut that part out. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes I cut it out and sometimes I'll keep it in, but just like clean it up because I'm like, I don't know. We still said stuff. Mm-hmm. Just like cut out the long pauses where everyone's yeah, just typing exactly. into their browsers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I'm Browsers. on. Browsers. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm on uh, Matt, my boyfriend's computer, so now he's just going to have, like, all of these image searches <laughs> of, like, random actresses with excellent eyebrows. So what do you guys think? Well, here's a fun fact about The Sound of Music. According <laughs> to the British tabloid The Sun, the movie was selected by the BBC executives as one to be broadcast after a nuclear strike to improve the morale of survivors. The BBC oh. neither confirmed nor denied the story, saying, quote, this is a security issue, so we cannot comment. Oh. What do you think? So we also often talk about, like, um problems that movies have Mm -hmm. um we we try to put on our our our, like critical lens um especially when something is from the past um do those problems exist here i mean (sighs) yeah i mean there are some of them like i had a hard time every time the 16 going on 17 song happened um Mm -hmm. For a number of reasons, and like I said, I the the wedding thing escalated quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a question about the sixteen going on seventeen song, mm-hmm. and I want to know your guys' opinion on whether or not Lisa was being sincere or kind of snarky in her response. Because mm. you can kind of read it either way. I feel like yeah, the way she's like I. 
I need someone older and wiser. But she's, and saying that she's shy and all that. But then she's obviously the one who's initiating all of this romance. I think she, I don't know. I feel like as a character, like in general, she goes back and forth and like really walks the line Mm -hmm. between like being adult and being a kid. Mm -hmm. So like both, (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I agree the song is a bit troubling just in the lyrics, um, especially what Rolf is saying, but yeah. I but I love her responses. I do, because yeah. I don't, I think she is being a little bit snarky and saying, you know, like, oh, sure, sure, Rolf, whatever you say, but, you know, I still have a crush on you, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, one of the other things that I... I noticed there's that song Edelweiss, which mm-hmm. um, the father sings, and then they sing at the end uh, as like a goodbye song. Um, and I don't know if you paid attention to the lyrics, but I was listening to it and I was like, is this song about white supremacy? Because the lyrics are about like different things that are like pure white and like had. Like, all of these kind of, like, creepy, it read to me, like, creepy racial undertones that, uh... uh, But isn't Edelweiss um, a type of white flower? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you just want to believe that it's about white flower? (laughs) Sure. Except, like, at the end, he says something about his homeland, which was just, like, you know, I know he's talking about Austria and not Germany, but it still was just, like, in the context of, like, a Nazi thing. It was just kind of like, ugh. That makes me feel weird. Mm-hmm. No, that's a very fair point. Um, and then I was also thinking just about, again, this is a, a recurring theme, but the choices that women have, and, um, you know, this isn't a problem with the film, and just a problem with women's history, I guess, or the history of being a woman. Um, you know, Maria winds up in the Abbey because she has nowhere else to go in the first place and then her choices like even when she goes out to have her adventure like she's still taking care of a bunch of children you know that's the big adventure is mm-hmm. this thing they kind of like glaze over that though because like well one they don't I, do they say what happened to her family oh yeah why is she alone and at the abbey in the first place um, I don't think so, but, like... Because she says that for when she was growing up, that she wanted to be a nun. Mm-hmm. And apparently the real Maria von Trapp did, too. Um, and the real Maria von Trapp was trying to escape from her, like, unhappy home life. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true of this fictional character as well. Mm-hmm. But, um... I was just thinking about, you know, unruly women and what uh, our role in, or our options in history have been. Mm-hmm. Um, like send if... them to the nunnery? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. super, there, like, aren't any. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, that, yeah. Like, if you didn't want to get married <laughs> and have a bunch of kids, like, what the other options were, were, like, you could be a nun or you could be a sex worker. And, like, those are your options. Um, and so, like, care even... for other people's kids. Right. And so even like that, what happens in, in the, at the end of the 
first part and the beginning of the second part, her options then are like, I can either go back to the Abbey and be a nun, or I can stay here and marry this stranger. Um, and she chooses the latter. And apparently, actually, in real life, Maria von Trapp really wanted to go back to the Abbey and become a nun. And that was what she had always wanted and was very upset that she wasn't able to return. Mm -hmm. Um, But it didn't say why she wasn't able to go back. Probably the Nazis. Yeah. But then I think at a certain point in her life, she became a missionary with a couple of her kids. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So she still followed the Lord. I don't know if that's what you would say. I'm Jewish. (laughs) (laughs) Any other parting thoughts, criticisms, comments? I mean, I I just enjoyed it so much. It was like, even like the parts of it that were more problematic, I was like, I do not care. This is a delight. (laughs) Yeah. A delight is a very good way to describe it, I would say. Yeah. It had enough redeeming qualities that those things don't feel glaring. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Have they remade this? They did a live version with Carrie Underwood on NBC like oh, last year. That sounds terrible. Yeah, I'm not going to watch that. I think I Do knew think... that when it happened and then I blocked it out of my consciousness <laughs> because I didn't want to know. I was like trying to think like cuz I had just watched The Greatest Showman and I was thinking about other movie musicals and like 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 is it even possible to recreate this magic today? No. It it's isn't, not. right? Like, I feel like that's what, like, something like La La Land was trying to do, except I hated that movie. Thank you. I hated it, too. And I feel like, (laughs) I feel like you're the only person I've heard say that. Oh, no, I've heard lots of people say that. Really? Everyone I know liked it. more people love it than hated it. And I thought it was terrible. I thought it was the worst thing. I thought neither of them could sing or dance. I thought the songs were not good. I thought the story was dumb. I just exactly. I hated the whole thing. I was angry. I saw it on Christmas, actually. And it made <laughs> me so angry on Christmas. Well, and I, yeah, like, like if, if, like, if I guess if I could see what other people were seeing, I would be like, oh, yeah, that has the same magic as something like The Sound of Music. But, like, I don't see it. So I'm going to need someone to keep trying. Because mm-hmm. I do think it would be really cool to have, I mean, I think part, like, part of it for me is that thing where, like, like you just said, where, like, they couldn't sing or dance, but like Julie Andrews is a Broadway stage actress, so she can sing and she can dance. Mm-hmm. Well, she didn't really dance in this, but it didn't matter because no, she, she danced. Sing. I mean, it a wasn't bit, like yeah. tr- like she had a Enough. lot of choreography, but it wasn't yeah. necessarily like what you would consider traditional dancing. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah, I'm like, I'm so waiting for someone to like do this right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to actually now. be talented at all of the things that it requires. To be in a musical yeah, successfully. because like every element of this movie is done so well like the story is great the script is great all of the performers are like giving it 110 percent except for Rolf. um except for rolf he Fuck sucked. Rolf. It, but um, i don't even say that just because his character sucked i actually think he was really bad <laughs> yeah he wasn't great but um the production design, the costumes, and the cinematography in particular was, like, masterful, mm-hmm. you know? So I think it just, um, 
well, I think it could have been shorter. <laughs> other, other than like the length of it, I don't have much criticism to find. Also, great braid inspo in this movie. Lots of good braids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, and I, there is something to be said for the fact that we all still liked it so much, even though it is so long. Mm-hmm. It keeps you coming. It keeps you wanting more. Yeah. 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 All right. I think we did it. Anyone have anything else to say? I just want to say. Thank you for having me on, and I hope I wasn't too boring. What? Uh, no, you were great. <laughs> <laughs> you okay. spoke from your heart. Okay. You accidentally watched a part of the movie you never saw before. I'm, re- I'm, re- I'm actually really happy that we did this because of that. <laughs> it opened my eyes. So thank you. Thank you. It was nice um, to meet you, Kara. It was nice to meet you. Maybe we'll do this again uh, sometime. We should just keep picking movies. <laughs> I'm down for that. Did you have any closing remarks? I don't know. But Kara is going to plug stuff. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I have another podcast called In Sickness and in Health. Uh, you can find it wherever you found this podcast. Uh, I talk to people about their weird bodies. Our most recent guest was... Jen Brea, she's a filmmaker, um, an MECFS patient, and she made this really beautiful documentary called Unrest. So we talked about uh, making the movie and watching the movie and some other stuff about being patients with complex medical issues and how hard it can be to find care. So um, like I said, you can find that wherever you found this podcast and at insicknesspod.com. Yay. Yay. And I have nothing to plug. This is the only thing I do. But I was on Zach Attack and was so jealous because they have listeners who just found their podcast. So if you're a friend of mine and you listen to this, tell your friends about it who I don't know because I want strangers to listen to this podcast. (laughs) The only way I can manage to keep doing podcasts is to convince myself that no one listens. Because otherwise I would get too self-conscious and not want to do it. What? No. No, I feel that. podcast is good. I mean, it's fine. It's not the best podcast ever. (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. We should cut this part out, Jordan. (laughs) I can't even... It's fine. I I don't have the ability to be like, no, this thing I do is really good. I can't do that. (laughs) Guys, I think it's great as an outsider. Now an insider. But I, I think it's a really good idea. I think it's really nice. There's something very special talking about things that are nostalgic and meaningful to you, mm-hmm. especially in the form of movies, because movies are so great, and there are so many different ones to enjoy about all different things, like music and the sound of it. So <laughs> I think you guys are doing a good thing. Yay. Yeah. All right. Thanks for yeah. listening, everybody. Sasha. Thanks for being here. Kara, thanks for always being here with me. Oh, I love being here with you. <laughs> and we will talk to you all next time. Bye. You want to sing us out? How oh, which song do you want to like sing? Maria. Yeah. <laughs> How do you take it down and pin it down? I don't know the words. How do you take it down like Maria? That's right. We didn't sing nearly enough. No. 
We didn't. That's okay. We can, like, you guys should just uh, sing separately and then just, like, cut it in. <laughs> we yeah. have maybe done that once before. I'll send you guys some songs. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going oh, to sign off and then just sing all the songs from the sound of music. You're the only one who can actually kind of sing, probably. <laughs> I felt so bad for Matt when we were watching this yesterday because I have a really bad habit of singing along to everything that I know even sort of. <laughs> so the whole time I was just singing the movie. <sighs> no, that's the right thing to do. But you know what? I actually recently learned from my boss, Gloria, that singing, I think particularly singing with other people, lights up something in your brain that gives you a oh, lot of for happiness. Sure. For yeah. sure. I miss singing with other people a lot. Yeah. And it like makes me cry when I see other people doing it. I just find it, like, really <laughs> move, like, to see people. Because also I think there's something that has to do with the way that your voice, like, resonates in your body. I think it's just, like, good and healthy. Yeah. <laughs> like, we it's should like all be when doing you're in, a lot more. It's like when you're in yoga and everyone does the om. Uh-huh. It feels mm-hmm. so good. Mm-hmm. Should we end it with an om? Okay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> One, two, three. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know how long it was going to be. I don't know how well that works when you're not in person. <laughs> Clearly not very well. <laughs> Thanks for trying. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye. I've heard before